listeners, welcome to another show on Rising Above Shadows of Abuse, Raza. I'm your host, Grace Upper. Today, I have Melanie Plaske from Mandova, a pretty young undergraduate. Kindly introduce yourself and welcome to the show, Melanie. Hi, thank you very much, Grace. Thanks, and it's an honor to be here. My name is Mel Florence Melanie Pleska. I'm an undergraduate student in uh, Austria, and I would like to support and talk about human rights because I think that's a very important topic. Uh, I've been a volunteer for different organizations, including the United Nations, in different projects related to climate change, human rights, as well as local organizations as initiative together against COVID and so on. Oh, that's beautiful. You've got a lovely resume there. Well, <laughs> that's good. So let's start the ball rolling. What is abuse to you? Abuse to me, it represents the violation of one's freedom of speech and action. Wow, straight to the point. Yes. Do you think women are ignored when it comes to domestic abuse and sexual violence? You could give maybe examples from where you live or your country, because I know you're schooling in Austria at the moment. Yes. Well, this is a complex question. I think it depends to where we are. If I would be to answer this question, being in my home country in Moldova, I would say definitely yes. If we speak about West Europe, England, and the rest of the world, I think there is quite a big progress in the sense of not ignoring the people who got through this. Sexual abuse and domestic violence. Yes. In Moldova and in East Europe, people in general are not very open to talk about this. There are many criteria and causes why people especially women are afraid to discuss about this because of feeling the fear, yes, of uh, opening up to the authorities. Unfortunately, uh, due to the corruption and other hard reasons, like the system isn't doing what it's supposed to do. So basically you cannot find support in the system. So that's why some of them choose not to say. The second reason is, as I mentioned in the first place, corruption, because um, some women tend to think that, okay, if I will open up about my case, and for instance, if my partner will pay probably some amount of money or sort of give, yes. A bribe. And a bribe, yes, thank you. Then in this case, they know that the victim rights will not be sustained. So that's the main two reasons why. Okay. So I, I know that you've highlighted two important points why abuse is being swept under the carpet, especially sexual abuse, because yeah. of corruption and some people don't want their names smeared. Okay. So do women get consent when it comes to sexual intimacy, maybe between a man and a woman, maybe two partners they're dating and the in woman is not in the mood, for example? 
I think in all serious, all healthy relationships, there should be consent from both sides when it comes to sexual intimacy. Because once consent is not made between the partners, then uh, one of the partners will feel uncomfortable. And with that, indirectly or directly, they will feel their rights were uh, abused. Okay. What if there is no consent? What do you think the woman should do in such uh, circumstances? If uh, sexual intimacy is not consent, then in this case, uh, I mean, everyone's different, but all women and girls should know that their bodies belong to them and no one has the right to harm mentally nor physically when we talk about uh, relationship, if there is any kind of consent between the partners, then I personally consider that the woman has to find options to talk with the partner and to open up directly about this. And in the case the partner isn't willing to accept the rules, but to accept the opinion of the other yes, yeah. indeed then in this case, the relationship has to come to an over point because in relationship, both have to work together for something wonderful in common. So if there is no respect and there is no trust, we are not speaking about relationship. We are speaking about interests. So yes, women and girls have to be very careful with this one. That should be communication. Yeah. Uh, in a healthy relationship should be mutual respect as well Indeed. and you've also highlighted the fact that there should be trust and if yes. you can't trust your partner so why are you together in the first place exactly because if there is no trust in little things then when we talk about serious and the long-term things or when we discuss about sexual intimacy because sexual intimacy highlights the physical emotional and psychological bond between the partners and if this bond is enforced then it becomes a, uh, a trauma for the partner who isn't feeling comfortable so yeah these topics have to be discussed directly that's what personally i consider in a healthy relationship and that's what a, a, a healthy relationship entails being yes. able to communicate your needs and emotions to your partner. Indeed. Irrespective of the situation. You yeah, should be able indeed. to open up and speak up. That's what actually, during their education in general, the girls' education, I think the parents have to put as well, because women are more tendable to, let's say, of course, I know someone who said in a joke that women fall in love with the years, and men fall in love with the eyes. So okay. by this, girls have to not to accept to do certain things just because they're said some nice words and stuff. They have to find the trust in the person that they are going to be partners with. Or uh, dating. Yes, exactly. Married or married to, yeah. Because there are different scenarios, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you for that wonderful exposition and explanation. So, leading me to my next question, would you say, or let me put it this way, have you ex ever experienced any form of abuse? And how did you handle it? And did you report it? 
Well, in the past, I had to undergo some difficult moments, I would say, with that. Unfortunately, I was not able to report the things on time. I did, but quite later on. And I regret doing that late because it could have prevented a lot of traumas, but also a lot of things like self-guilt and things related to mental health, but also things related to self-love and accepting myself as I am. Not many people know about this, but sometimes most women that seems like things are working fine in their lives and stuff, they might, you know, hide the things under the mask. So that's how things went with me. And at one point, I came to the conclusion in life that you have to use the situation to talk really about the consent to be judged because you didn't do things on time or something like that. But because maybe you want to open up the voice that some people can't do, and with that, you want to encourage them. Back to the initial part of question, I didn't do it right on time because of uh, age and also my mistrust in the authorities. As I said in the beginning of our discussion, unfortunately, in the country where I'm originally from, there is a lot of mistrust in the authorities and there is a lot of misinformation. So basically, you don't know where, what, and how to do things. And that's the main reason, I would say. But yeah, I'm doing now. Thank you so much for your candid answers. I could sense the fact that, you know, you went through a lot of psychological trauma. You highlighted mental health in relation to low self-esteem, shame and guilt, which most people who have gone through abuse do experience, due, yes. though, not the, though not their own fault, but because they feel they're going to be judged or stigmatized. Sadly, people who might not have experienced some of them can't understand the people who experienced it till the end because it's like, if I would picture it, it looks like a fire that's growing up and it's burning you from the inside. But because of locks such as fear, disbelief, and distress, uh, you cannot open up. But I think at one point in life, the majority of victims open up, but of course, later or sooner, it depends on uh, on a lot of things. I think it's good a to open up, but as well as it's important to whom you open up, because some people might use the things you say against yourself, and that's what makes the things even worse. So... I don't say that if you tell your family or your close friends that you experienced this, as you imagine, some of them will not be ready to hear this, but true love and care that are infiltrated from family, those people who really care for you, yeah, it's going to hurt them as well, but they'll find a way to support you to overcome this moment. So uh, we cannot enforce everyone to do it, but I want to let other people that experience probably any sort of way of violence that you are not alone. And even though some people don't talk about this openly, we can support each other indirectly. So, yeah. 
together we stand. Together we are stronger. Yes. And like you said, if they are not able to open up to their families, they could open up to professionals, maybe a counselor, a therapist, a medical doctor, or a general practitioner, or a nurse. To someone by the law, because the law will uh, not be able to forward the information and it will remain confident. I guess that's a good thing to do because it's not a solution to keep the bitterness inside because at one point it's gonna irradiate you. There is a nice example in this case, like if you pour the water on a stone for the first time, nothing gonna happen. But if you go to a waterfall, and put the stone right there for a couple of weeks or even months, you'll see a lot of changes. It's gonna change its dimensions and, and the sizes. So that's what happens with us. My advice is to find someone that you trust, as you mentioned, Grace, maybe a professional therapist, psychotherapist, or psychologist who you will be able to trust and open up about things. So. Yes. And that's when the healing process takes place, when you open yes. up, you start going yes. through the therapeutic changes. Exactly. Okay. Thank true. you. So should students be taught about consent and sexual education in schools? Yes. And I think the best time of doing this in school is starting with 15, 16 years old students. Because school, in general, all around the world, we are giving students education related to knowledge in different topics, mathematics, languages, humanities, and so on and so forth. But we uh, have to prepare school systems in such a way to prepare students for life. And this is a part of life, that consent has to be taught. Preferably, that would be done separately, uh, girls from boys, but some lectures would be conducted together. But it's a very important thing to inform the future young adults about these topics. Because in some families, some parents feel well, free to talk about sexual education in some families due to religion, some traditions, or other factors, maybe parents are more conservative, they aren't open to discuss this. But personally, I consider this to be a very important uh, topic. If we want to stop the spread of uh, sexual diseases, if we go in that direction, or if we want to help the future generation have a better future, I think that's one of the steps that we have to do. Yes. Sexual education is quite important. What yeah. is consent? What is a healthy relationship? What is an abusive relationship? People should be taught about this. And if you have gone through any form of abuse, how it can impact your mental health as well and what you need where to you, do. And where you can address and how there should be an encouragement from educational system also that people are not left alone and they don't have to fight to find a way to help others. So I think personally, as I said three times, yes, I will say again, it's very important. Yes, thank you. <laughs> so that means that the government should highlight the seriousness of sexual abuse or domestic violence or any form of abuse to its citizens especially given the impact on victims. I agree with this one as well. The government should 
highlight the series and should promote different methods such as newspaper information on social media, TVs, and using the power of journalists to, to do this in a healthy society. People have to be informed about things. And that's how things should work in our civil modern world. Yes, yeah, starting, as we said, in education and continuing during the lifetime. And yes, that's how governments have to to react to reduce the violence, domestic abuse in the countries, and also to inform, but also to take some serious changes, for instance, open up new laws related to different situations and the cases of domestic violence or sexual abuse. Yes, that the guilty side would basically have to Be suffer punished. the consequences, the punishment. Yes. Speaking here, I would like to talk about the situation in my country. If we go into that direction, we talked about that in different countries, the situation is different. And yeah, as well as here, people tend to disbelieve the authorities because the authorities aren't taking serious actions to stop these things. And they have to be more serious and responsible for the things they say and how they act. Corruption, unfortunately, is destroying a lot of things. And if we want big changes, we need to take off corruption, the main route. I know a case which happened a couple of years ago in Moldova. Sadly, it's a true fact. I don't have the original information, so to say, but there was a registered case where a 15-year-old girl had been abused sexually in front of the policeman, and the policeman didn't act. Yes, it sounds very sad. It sounds very scary. But that's how the reality looks like. But why it was allowed to happen? It was allowed to happen because they were probably paid. Yes, we are talking here about corruption in the Ministry of Internal Affairs. Yes, that was back then. Now things are changing and they're changing for good. But corruption, it's one of the worst things that, I guess can stop the progress that, that can stop justice being taken or that can stop people's rights from being taken seriously people's right from being given from to them being... actually they're infringing on human rights because yes. it's a wrong the people have a right to be safe in the country so exactly. if people who are supposed to be upholding the law uh, yeah. turning a blind eye that's a serious issue that needs to be addressed as soon as possible but like you said things are changing uh, if we talk directly here about the situation in moldova at the moment um due to the uh, ukrainian help that we offer to a lot of refugees fleeing from the neighbor country and from the progress that we have lately in the last couple of years in uh, our internal affairs system, law system, administration system, things start to change. And we are right now candidates of becoming part of the European Union family. So that's what makes me personally happy that things are moving in a good direction. Of course, there is a lot of work to be done, especially when it comes to human rights, 
the promotion of or discussing the topics of openly about all sorts of abuses, we still have to work on this chapter. But the good thing is that we started to give beautiful results. That's great. I hope things get better in Moldova. Yes. So that leads me to another question. Should women and girls who have experienced any form of abuse go for therapeutic interventions to aid their recovery and healing? That is, speak up, not feel uncomfortable or embarrassed about the ordeal they've gone through, and in so doing, to make other people open up and educate people about these societal issues? Yes, I understand the question. Yes, I consider that all women and girls that have experience should come to the point in their lives where they will seek for help. About this example with the stone and the water, you cannot yeah. hold things all the time inside. And if you want to change your life, if you want to become a different person, the best version of yourself, and also to not let the situation, this unfortunately, sadly for some people, very traumatic events, they have to change. And the change sometimes takes courage. It takes courage to do some certain steps. And yes, to be sincere, I think it's very important for them to go for a therapeutic intervention because they would be able to talk, get medical assistance and help support and more believe in themselves through little steps so i really encourage anyone who's been through difficult moments to try the therapy really open up about things um yeah, like we like we spoke earlier on it can impact on their mental health it could lead to anxiety it could lead to depression and if they needed to yeah. speak to their um, general practitioner so they could prescribe antidepressants and sometimes people get scared they don't want to go out because of the abuse they've experienced yes apart from that we talked about low self-esteem shame guilt we also talked about not trusting others because of what they've experienced yes in general trauma paralyzes here another example when someone undergoes a heart stroke or brain stroke Visibly, people can see changes because neurologically a hand or something else might be affected and the person is not walking the same as before the situation. So that is actually what is also happening when we undergo emotional, psychological trauma. We are paralyzed. And yes, the first thing when you look at someone that has been undergoing any form of abuse or trauma is the fear yes fear is the worst thing that kills things in your life it paralyzes your life in the sense that you don't know how to live your life anymore you're afraid as you mentioned some of them are afraid to go on the street for instance if a woman or a girl has been let's say sexual abuse she's afraid of guys if it's a young girl she grows up she might be afraid of starting uh, a relationship we are talking about very serious topics and we need to find a good specialist to find a way to support each case in particular because every single case is different it we talk again about long term or short term 
uh, help. Yes, and that's what actually government has to step in and to support the victims to for to offer a hand of uh, trust. If we speak about long term, I personally consider that there should be some actions like opening up some centers for victims where they're an anonymous, controlled and trustworthy personnel, like specialist medical assistants that support these persons. In this case, I have a good example. For instance, in Moldova, there is an organization in Romanian, it's called Casa Mariware. In English, we would translate the House of Mary. The name was probably chosen because of Mary, the mother of Jesus, with the religious connotation. It's a project. I think in other countries there exist also some projects like this, but personally, I consider it to be a wonderful place, a shelter for people, especially for women and girls who had experienced cases of sexual abuse, that they are offered the shelter, security, and different therapies mental health therapies, then different physical activities, and they would return back to a better way of living for them. And I really salute this project. Basically, it exists due to the funds from organizations such as UNCHR or UNESCO or sponsorships from different embassies. If we speak about short-term help, the government should create or give the information about how to prevent things to happen. So, yes. For short term, they should provide uh, leaflets or information uh, bulletins about uh, mental health impacts on victims, their families, and also if the perpetrators need help, maybe anger management classes, how they can get such um, services. I think there are many possible ways, starting from introducing a TV radio program where people would speak about how to avoid things or how to do some certain things. And there should also start education system. In general, it has a strong, I think it's one of the most important part in our society because everything starts with the kindergarten, school, and university. It forms us professionally and also as part of the society after the possibilities. So I would, you know, recommend the governments invest not only in technology, finances, and healthcare, but also to invest into education and mental health, mental health education and promotion. So that has to be a new change for all governments. You said be- before you <laughs> told me that in the United Kingdom, since December 2023, people get sort of financial help, right? Those who undergo abuse and domestic violence. They will start getting the payments from the 31st of January 2024, which mm-hmm. is just in a week's time. They'll be paid to be able to flee from their abusers. And that will help them to maybe pay for their housing, buy food or buy diapers and other things that they need for for them. And other things they need for the children and themselves. For becoming independent from, and that's important because it encourages persons who undergo this home abuse to become independent, to flee from the person that is harming not only them, but the children. 
So I really think that's a wonderful step that the government should be an example for other governments in Europe and also East Europe. And I really hope that in the upcoming years that things will also get on a higher level as they started already in East Europe, that things will really change in this part of the world as well into good. So that people become more aware about what abuse is, the societal implications and the mental health implications or psychological implications. Thank you so much, Melanie Florence, for coming on. It's been a pleasure having you. Do you have any last words for women or girls who have gone through any form of abuse? What encouragement would you give them? I would like to to end up saying that you are not alone and we are all in this together. First and second, no matter what, you are strong. You are still fighting for your life and you are still here. It's all... Life is in general an amazing gift and you have to keep fighting for it and you have to keep fighting for what you want to become, who you want to be. No matter what, don't lose your true self and your identity. So, Thank you so much. Listeners, you've heard Melina Florence. Life is worth fighting for. Don't lose your identity. Don't lose who you are. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It was a pleasure having you here today. Thank you. So listeners, this has been Grace Upper for Rising Above Shadows of Abuse, Rasa. If you've got any more comments or views, you can leave that on our social media handles or send an email to risingaboveshadowsofabuse at gmail.com, especially concerning this important topic we've discussed That will be all for today. Take care and bye for now. Stay safe and be positive.